You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well met, fellow adventurers. I'm continuing my quest to get, get some people out of some out-of-paintings, deal with the eldritch evil they accidentally unleashed, and also undo the get the death hex that I just had cast on me by someone I was going to save. And so I've made my way to the bubbling, bubbling cauldron near Moonlight Lake, in the next to the Fairy Falls in Western Tausa. Sitting off the winding road that once once past nearby Fairy Falls, the bubbling cauldron, picturesque paleo den owned by the famed adventurer Andusa, has become a favourite haunt for travellers and locals seeking a friendly, tranquil retreat. The tidy, tidy structure, which resembles a large, thatched roof cottage, is surrounded by well-kempt flower gardens that seem to be in perpetual bloom. A winding stone path Accented at regular intervals by ornate iron lampposts, snakes through the vibrant floor, and ends at the cauldron's engraved front door. Alright, enter the bubbling cauldron. The soft crackle of the bubbling, bubbling cauldron's central fire pit, over, over which dangles a collection of steaming and often bubbling paleo kettles mingles with the soft murmur of conversations between the den's gathered patrons. The cauldron's keeper, Tanborough, a one-eyed retired adventurer, oversees day-to-day operation of the paleo den for its owner. The illustrious Odusa, those heroic endeavours are far too numerous to mention here. With the help of a half-dozen servers and two dedicated brewers, Talibro diligently tends to the needs of those who step into the cauldron in search of respite and a splendid drop or two of some of the realm's best paleo. Okay, time to speak with Tabrel. Tabrel is effable enough, though he said she is 
She has little time for idle chatter and prefers to diligently tend to the many tasks requiring her capable hands. Despite her reluctance to engage in banter, she does give you a brief but interesting account of an adventure she had several years ago in the northwest region of Tysa. That's, that's, that's about all there is to that tale, she says, adjusting the patch covering her white eye. Now, if you excuse me, I have some more things to get done. Alright, now I wonder, is it randomised? Southwest region of Paladron. Okay, Western region, yeah, yeah, it's random. Where the adventures are was random. Okay, one more time. Southeast region of Wasario. Right. Time to order some food and drink. As with most paleo dens, the bubbling cauldron offers a variety of fare, in addition to the excellent paleo for which it has earned great renown. Alright. First paleo is cloven cheer. Served in an engraved wooden vessel, cloven cheer is a delightful, soothing mixture of strong paleo and street trout cherry-infused root wine. The aroma of this steaming beverage, the house speciality, is always enticing and evocative, bringing to mind vivid imaginings of warm summer nights and the soft sight of fragrant, fragrant breezes. After finishing the drink, you rattle your empty vessel against the edge of the table, as is the custom in many paleogens, to show to show your appreciation for a well-crafted brew. Now, the Black Sigil Paleo. The Black Sigil Paleo proves to be a strong, aromatic, bitter, but ultimately exceptional brew. After allowing the beverage to cool from its near-boiling state, you slowly consume it, enjoying, your, enjoying every last drop of the fortifying drink. When you're finished, you rattle your empty wooden vessel against the table edge, adhering to an old paleo den custom, showing your appreciation for the well-crafted paleo. And now, the lark bark. Rhymes, so it tastes better. The first sip of the thick black brew that is lark bark paleo is always, always a memorable, if not entirely pleasant experience. Once you've become accustomed to the bitter taste of this strong paleo, you'd also begin to take notice of a whole array of subtle flavours right throughout the bold beverages. Upon fi finishing the paleo, you rattle your empty vessel against the edge of the table, adhering to an old paleo den custom, showing your appreciation for the well-crafted drink. Alright, now on to the ales! The Thorn Mud Ale. It was not clear how this dark, amber-hued ale earned its odd moniker. Thorn and Ale proves to be as refreshing as it is fortifying. The subtle sweetness of the exceptional brew lingers on your tongue long after you set down your empty vessel. Lock Ledge Ale. Lock Ledge, an ale said to have been crafted and filleted on, is bitter and strong with a flavour reminiscent of overripe fruit. After emptying your wagon, you begin to feel slightly light-headed. Though the sensation quickly passes, and you pay it no more mind. Alright, time for some honey drizzle custard. Mm. 
served in a engraved wooden bowl, this thick, hot, oaky cu oaty custard drizzled with honey is both delicious and fortifying. There's always, all, almost always, a cauldron of this custard simmering over the Paleogen's sensual fire pit. And then, the final thing, some flat cakes. The, the bubbling cauldron's famous flat cakes, which are little more, more than flattered, sear globs of the Paleoden's oaty custard, are a favourite among its patrons. patrons. Served with paleo and drizzled with honey, the flat cakes are both favourable and nourishing. Suddenly, oh, we got a suddenly. A flash of blue light erupts out of the small alcove set into the opposite wall. Alright, something has happened. Alright, let's go look in this alcove. The small alcove set into the north side of the Paleoden's spacious commune is empty, save for a rather striking painting fixed to the wall. The curious piece of art is a masterful portrait of an ageing, balded man with a short, cropped back beard, a long, angular nose and a narrow jaw and a set of thick eyebrows. As you gaze at the painting, you can't help but feel as if the subject's dark eyes are following your every move. It's almost the same feeling you get when looking at Bon Griffella's portrait in the Prevordian Airhouse. A faint blue aura surrounds the painting. I investigate it again. A vivid blue aura surrounds the painting. Okay, third time. Strong blue aura surrounds the painting. Suddenly. Yes, yes, you. Why are you staring at me? The sharp voice, seemingly from nowhere, causes your heart to skip a beat. Instinctively, your eyes dart to the portrait where you're startled to find that his bearded subject, now animated, has fixed his hawkish gaze upon you. Don't deny it, snaps the man in the painting. What, was it, what is it you want from me? Through all these years, I would have thought that Cladderwook the Wise might have rested in peace, without suffering, without all the insufferable ogling of passers-by. You insolence, my fair sir, is certainly not for want. Leave me alone to contemplate my failings. You know nothing of what haunts me. After glancing around and realising no one seems to have taken notice of the strange event unfolding in the alcove, you turn back to the painting, which you now know to be of Cladderwook, the maze of those protective magic gone awry, imprisoned both himself and Gefalia. What are you worried about, snarls Gallifuff? Afraid someone might overhear? Let them hear! All those fools do is hear! But do they listen? Ah! And so your wife are the key to everything. Listening is what's important. There's hearing, and there's listening, and they're most certainly not the same. Interrupting Gladwell's wanks, you tell him of your encounter with Gefalia's portrait in the Vivordian Alehouse. He immediately adopts a more sombre suspicion. Ah, I see, he says. I will say it gladdens me to know she is around. I would guess that she mentioned stones. 
The ones bearing the glyphs? Is that so? Yes. I always knew she would have figured things out. She's as clever as they come, despite her opinion of me. Gunderwork's features sharpen as she glances about. If you must know, and I'm saying you must, I do not blame her for identical plight, she says. It was her doing, her folly, her incurable lust to peer into the dark arts that led to what resulted in our present piteous state. But I blame myself for, for much of that. For a moment, Cladenbrook falls silent as a look of anguish passes over her face. I did what I did to protect her, to protect all of them, all of us, but something went very wrong. Attempted to pause the spell. Oh, what folly. It was, of course, too soon. It wasn't time to wait. The magic mingled with, and then the stones. Oh, what a terrible mistake. He sighs and hangs his head before looking up to meet your gaze. Help me escape this wretched gale, and I will set things right once and forever, he says. There are things to which I must attend, though they have no meaning to you. They mean everything to but they mean everything to me. Crowbrook's painted image, now alive within the portrait, Tojutsu Githelia, formerly his apprentice, long dabbled in curses and hexes, seeking knowledge of such shadowy facets of the arcane. She was my pupil, he says. I did what I could to, to dissuade her from such a dangerous task, but she would have none of it. Her forbidden, forbidden ways are tempting. There's no denying that. I loved her, if the truth is to be known. I would have done anything for her and for them. But it's all now so long ago. But I feel it still matters. Okay, who are these other people? Cladwick mm. tells you that when Griffin is a advised venture into the dark arts, unleashed a malevolent force bent on her destruction, he, he hastily summoned magic to protect her. I endeavoured to tap to trap her in a snare from which she could be released once the danger had passed, he says. His expression betraying his pow powerful emotions bound to the expression. Leave us to say, something went wrong. Nothing works as it should have. The entity has she has released into the world had corrupted my magic. Gladnerbrook reveals that he endeavoured to trap Gephalia in a magical living portrait to protect her from the foul force that sought to destroy her. It was all I could think of. That thing would have devoured her, he says. I didn't understand the entity's power until I'd already summoned my magic. It's nothing I've ever before or since felt. Cuddlewook tells you the magic he channeled to hurl Griffalo into the painting was then turned back on him and he was ensnared in a second portrait. I acted as a desperate man, he says. But that is in the past. I do not bemoan my fate. I do that of your failure. More importantly, my blunder served to cruelly mar two who, two who deserved nothing of the misfortune. Our disappearance, it was cast their way. Okay, who are these two people? The painted figure of Cladden Rook, those face distorts every time he speaks, tells you 
that if you gather the seven stones bearing his glyph, the counterspell they collectively contain will sunder the magic that binds him and Gefalia to the portraits. 200 years is quite a long time to contemplate the inalterable, he says. Believe what you will, but I still care for her, Gefalia. The time has come to abandon this unnatural preservation, but you will need to help me, not just me. Please know that I'm the very least of who it is you'll be helping. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of thing you could build a relationship on here. They're both asking to save the others before themselves. Alright, yeah. yeah, definitely we could build some relationship off this. You know, if, if they didn't go, go poof. There were two little ones, Gefalia and I took in as our own, he says. Street urchins they were, abandoned by what passed for their kin. We loved them dearly, of course, but they bore the brunt of our incessant fusing and suffered the grim consequences of our downfall. Their faints remain unknown to me. Did Gefalia mention them? Not, not, not exactly. But, I mean, she hinted there was at least a third. That there was at least a third person, maybe more. When you reply, she did make a rather cryptic question to do. Still be out to still, still see them, both of them. The painted figure, figure certainly nods. Much as Gefali did. Cousin Wook reveals that he, he will almost certainly die shortly after being released from the painting. Though he's quick to say, he does not lessen his desire for freedom. I'm prepared to face whatever the final adventure brings. I suppose the same must be true of her. And them, he says. My last whiff. It's my last wish that we face the remainder of our story together. For a moment, Cloud and Wook's features seem to soften and a sad look passes across his face. He sighs and shakes his head. We might have been happy had we put our squabbles aside and done what's best for whom we swore to protect, he says. We were both quite unyielding within our convictions. Saddest of all, and certainly my gravest regret, is the misery our selfish feud thrust upon two innocent souls. The lives would certainly have been different, undoubtedly better. Without our blighting interference. Suddenly. Suddenly the painted wizard. His eyes clouding. Locks gazes with you. Did she have anything to say about me? He asks. You plainly recall some of Gefalia's more choice. Words were gone in Clanderwook. Fateful decision. Inexplicably, you feel your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. Hmm. I think I think she was about to speak fondly of him, but then the magic stopped her. All right. Tell Cole Gladwell she spoke fondly of him. Tell Gladwell she said little of him. Recite to him some of her exact words. Hmm, 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 hmm. Yeah, let's go for the top one. 
For a fleeting instant, Colonel Wilkes' face lights up, and a faint smile traces itself across his painted visage. Yes, yes, I believe I always knew what was in her heart, he says, his voice trailing off as he chokes back black tears. All can still be set white, many years later, and will, however, not dwell on such things. That is how we ended up like this. There is much to be done. Cladden Wook beseeches you to retrieve the seven stones, again promising to set things white, what is free from the portrait. They're flat, rounded grey stones, he says, each of them bearing my mark in blue, a glyph, as it were. It is a task that seems nigh impossible. But, but, this is not lost to me. It is a task that requires someone of your metal, the kind of metal I've been waiting for two centuries to encounter. You are rarity, this lamentable age. Take great pride in that. Suddenly, Cladrenbrook's blurred visage adopts a shrewd look, and he says something that both startles you and immediately picks your interest. You must begin your search in the city of Port Halleck, he says, grimacing, as if the revelation goes against his better judgment. Yes, you're no doubt wondering how it is I know it. Well, I don't know it, at least not with any degree of certainty. However, being in this, stuck in this painting does have its advantages when it comes to crafty package, passage, practices like eavesdropping. Clarence Wook tells you that nearly 50 years ago, while his portrait was hung in a tavern in Twithick, he overheard two carpenters discussing a strange stone they'd encountered while repairing the floor of some place called the Fleeing Quarry in Port Halleck. According to what the men said, the stone was hidden in a hollow beneath an iron plate affixed to the floor near the fireplace. It was almost certainly one of my glyph stones, he says, his voice suddenly muffled. How did it get there? Who's to say? Is it still there? I don't pretend to know such a thing. But it's the only clue I've got to give to you. Cladden Wook, his words becoming less distinct with every passing moment, tells you that each of the glyph-marked stones you discover will likely point you in the direction of the next one. The seven stones were a staple of my magic, he says proudly, his voice suddenly clearing. I've used them to store all manner of magic. No, oh, never a counterspell. And I certainly never for as long as 200 years. Ah, but magic is timeless, and the stones are all but indestructible. And then there's you, the only one capable of even attempting such an endeavour. You are to ask me, I place great faith in the chance for a successful outcome. As before, his face rapidly contorts, distorts before he continues speaking. All I want is a chance to set it all right. So, can, I can ask him about the Death Hex or not. I bet about asking about the Death Hex. Death Hex? He says, his voice somewhat garbled. How did you manage to get yourself one of those? Give failure? Ha! An old trick, I'll summarise. I very much doubt the hex is real, and if it is, you needn't be overly concerned. At least, not quite yet. Death hex? Very doubtful indeed. Tadderwook's painted face twists into a malted mass, with his voice momentarily clears. 
I wonder how did she manage to protect her magic out of the painting? Must be some trick. Very notion defies all reason. Never mind any of that. It's almost certainly not a real hex. Cadamuk's face becomes distorted, and his voice begins to sound distant and garbled. Hurry now, off to Port Halleck. Godspeed and safe travels. You're our last hope. Oh, and you'll no doubt need to know what my mark, my glyph, looks like. Suddenly, a fiery blue image of three eyes over which bends, over which arcs a bent arrow appeared in your mind. Before you can completely focus on the curious symbol, it vanishes. The painted likeness of Cladderwook does not again speak. Cladderwook's seven glyphs. The seven glyph mark stones you need to find are hidden in various places throughout the kingdom. Be sure to search far and wide. Stones could be anywhere. As instructed by Cladnerwook, your search should now begin by visiting the Freeing Quarry in Port Halleck, Northern Tulsa. According to what the trapped wizard told you, you have to seek out an iron plate fixed to the floor next to the fireplace. Anything happen in the alcove? As you gaze at the painting, you can't help but feel as the subject's dark eyes are following your every move. Uh, anything happens if I drink anymore? Oh no. Okay, I think that's that. That seems to be everything that happens. Easter Wheeze and the Pladon is another adventure. Yep. Leaving the Paleo Den. Not. Not that much. This is probably one of the least, one of the towns with the least amount of stuff in it. Although it's got half of a huge adventure, so yeah, it's it's quite big. Okay, Port Halleck is in northern, northern Tulsa, city of Port Halleck, where we met Pat Captain Greenfan upon the Silver Crown. And we met some blobs that came out of the sea and we had to fight them. And not far from here, we met a skeleton. We met a ghostly privateer. Quite a few things happened here. But it's not it's not the busy part. Oh oh yeah, and we also met one of one of the harbingers of Woundskin. The bustling city of Port Halleck is the kingdom's largest and busiest seaport. Ships from across the world must draw anchor here while their cargoes are unloaded and their stocks replenished. The city's harbour, a wide natural cove, offers a relatively safe inlet from the wild waters of the Sundran Sea. Much of the Titian navy is located here, and a large gap garrison of the kingdom's army is maintained within the ancient walled port. Okay, I'll just go to all the places. Visit the Eye of the Sea. Leon Player. Nope, nothing seems to have happened here. Explore the city. Stone. Cladenwook. Explore. Oh, no, no, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. 
visit the harbour. Can seek passage aboard the ship, no point doing that. Visit Wolgart's Emporium. Wolgart's Emporium is a small cluttered shop owned and operated by Wolgart Grinderlock, a scene captain of great renown, well retired from a life spent on the waves. Captain Grinderlock spent the latter half of his legendary career making the perilous voyages to and from Arkandor, overseeing a fleet of three ships that served the transport needs of the ever-growing Dukuin oil trade. Don't seem to be anyone here at the moment. A small bell rests on the table in the centre of the untidy space. Ring the bell. Nope, nothing happens. Fire Ravage Building. Sending before the partially collapsed remains of the charred building, your eyes are drawn to a sign leaning up against a structure which reads, The Boiled Hammer. Leads to the sale, this alehouse. Once a favourite among the wars, won't be open for business anytime soon. Okay, inquire about the fleeing quarry. Yeah, that, that's sensible. That's someone else. You make numerous inquiries throughout the harbour district regarding the fleeing quarry, but no one seems to have any in information about an establishment bearing that name. Suddenly, just as you're about to abandon your efforts, an old man... His unsteady gait checked by his apt use of a stout wooden cane approaches and advises you to make an inquiry at Bridsall's Highs. May or may be a crusty old salt, but he knows more about the city than perhaps anyone, he says, after telling you he heard about, the, about your desire to locate a place known as the Fleeing Quarry. You ever been to his high shop? Quite the sight to be sure. He might be able to tell you something, though. You thank the old man, who simply nods and shuffles off along the quayside. Alright. You may wish to make an inquiry at Birdsell's Heights. Well, that's the only lead I have, so I'll go there. Birdsell's is a bustling, well-ordered shop, run by none other than Mayhall Bridsell himself. There are many stories regarding the former sea captain's adventures on the high seas, but in his declining years, he contents himself with running an emporium consisting solely of hide and other non-metal pieces of armour. Which means that they're less good, mechanically speaking, than the metal pieces of armour. Because though none of them are magic. So nothing you get here is going to do this. Yeah. Although they can be unique. There's the shark skin belt. The rugged hide belt. And the tusk hide belt. And then there's a venom horn shell bracelet. Breastplate. Rugged hide, hide skull cap. Rugged hide skull cap. Yep. Three grades of hide armor. All of these are unique items. So once again, if you wanted to get one of everything, you could just go here. The venom horn shell sleeves and the venom horn shell leggings. Now I'm half tempted just to buy one of everything. Just so I could store it all. In fact, I will. Right now.
Gonna buy one of everything. Because these are all unique items. Because that's just, just something you end up doing. I mean, one of everything. Okay. Oh, no, too much encumbrance. Oh, that's probably because... Oh, oh, I'm going to sell some stuff so I have room. Okay, time to inquire about the fleeing quarry. It takes some effort to get Mayhall Brigsaw into a conversation. But once you delve into a topic that strikes his fancy, his career as a sea captain, he begins to seem doubtful or ever one out of tales. At last, as he concludes a particularly interesting account of a ghost ship he once encountered off the coast of Sangard Isle, and pauses to take a ne necessary, quite necessary, breath, you interject with an inquiry about the fleeing quay. A confused look passes over Merhall's face, but he slowly begins to nod, as if recording from her mystic's vast repository of memories. The fleeing Cray, he recreates, stroke his chin. The name does strike him as something of her tales. Not speak, being so brash to say, I can quite recall more than that. For several minutes, mate, my whore embarks on a tedious ex flight. <laughs> Exercise of verbally accounting for all the places in Port Halleck, past and present, with which he's familiar. Finally, he admits he's at a loss. You might make mention of the name to Cyrus Moonfall, the city magistrate, says Myrtle. He can avail himself of the old port records. If there's any mention to be had of the fleeing quarry, so Celeste should be able to drag it up. You thank Mayhill, who smiles and nods, telling you to stop by from time to time when you view up for a tale or two about the seas. Tell Silas I sent for you, he asks. You make ready to depart. He can be quite irritable. His name doesn't quite. My name doesn't quite carry the way it dons did, but it will resonate with old Satness. You thank Mayhall and bid him farewell before leaving his shop. You should pay a visit to the Port Halleck magistrate, Silak Morfall. Alright, and I will. Alright, to the magistrate. Silas Morfall. The elderly magistrate whose office oversees all aspects of law and commerce within Port Halleck spends most of his day auditing the city's detailed archive of records as he toils to produce an exhaust, exhaustive history of the storied seaport. The white-haired magistrate, not for a vital conversation, is known for his quick temper and dislike for having, having to interrupt his demanding work. Is there something you need? asked Silas, sighing as he looks up from the large tome he's been pursuing. Inquire about the fleeing quarry. Silas's eyes narrow, and the hint of a, of, of a smile forms on his thin lips when you inquire about the fleeing quarry. And why would you want to know about a thing like that? he asks. Gaping his hands atop the open tome. Seems a wild, wild inquiry, if I may be allowed to say so. Drop Mayhall Brigsbow's name. May Mayhall told you to come and see me? He says, raising an eyebrow. Well, that's something then. Here, 
Let me see what we can discover about this. What was it? Oh yes, fleeing quarry. Takes the better part of an hour, but Silas Morfall eventually locates an entry in the massive tome that makes mention of the fleeing quarry, identifying it as a tavern located in the harbour district. As he slowly reads the entry aloud, you learn that the fleeing quarry, while remaining a tavern, has undergone many changes in both name and appearance since it was first built nearly 300 years ago. The most recent name of the establishment, originally known as the Flaming Quarry, is the Boiled Hammer. <gasps> That's the ruin we saw. Pity about that old place, says Celas, looking up from the terms. As you may or may not know, the Boiled Hammer burned down not long ago. Very mysterious, I might add. We don't have many fires in this city. It's always the suspicious eye that such incidents are greeted, and rightfully so. Selfo tells you that you can find what's left of the boiled hammer in the city's harbour district. The owner was one of the Orgrifil lot, he says, making mention of one of the more prominent of Port Halleck's established families. Lots of trouble in that line, going many years back, having discovered the location of the fleeing quarry. You thank Silas, who does his best to ignore you. You take, and you take your leave of the magistrate. Okay, to the harbour. Look at the fire-ravaged building. Standing before the partially cracked remains of the charred building, your eyes are drawn to a sign leaning up against the structure which reads, The Boiled Hammer. Needless to say, the alehouse, what's a favourite along the wharfs, won't be open for business anytime soon. Explore. Explore the charred ruins. You cautiously move into the charred ruins of the boiled hammer, noting the most fire-ravaged and dangerous portions of the burned-out alehouse. As you search for any sign of the iron floor plate mentioned by Cladwork, picking a number. Bonus of 66. 10 from Mind, 10 from Aura, 36 from Feathery, and 10 from Luck. I've got to get 75 or more to make progress. 82, success. You shift through the remains of the alehouse's interior, seeking the metal four plate described for you by Cladlerwook. After several minutes of searching, you pause to look around. Once... Round before once again resuming your hunt around the fire, ravaged desperate. You continue to warily scour the burned out alehouse, searching for the metal floor plate described to you by Cladwork. Alright, picking a number, same bonus, gotta get 90 this time. 77, failure, suddenly. While picking through a pile of wood and bone, a sharp splintering sound from overhead reaches your ears. Only a split second before a deluge of Danebridge rains down, knocking you to the floor. 26 damage, bloodied and dazed, drawing deep, ragged breaths. You slowly regain your feet before warily resuming your hunt through the burned-out alehouse. You continue to warily scour the burned-out alehouse, searching for the metal floor plate described to you by Cladden Whoop. All right. Same check again. 
105 success. You shift through the remains of the in-house interior, seeking the metal floor plate described to you by Clannamook. After several minutes of searching, you pause to look around before once again resuming your hunt through fire-ravaged de debris. Alright, continue to warily scour the burned-out alehouse, searching for the metal floor plate described to you by Clannamook, picking a number. Same bonus, got to get 75. 154 success. You shift through the remains of the outhouse interior. Yep. Same again. Alright. Check once more. 66, 75 success. 75 success, but only dust. Alright, keep searching. 66, 80 success. 96. Alright, 66, 90 success. Alright. Suddenly, you spot something on the floor, partially concealed beneath a heap of rubble. Yep, because in this, to get to make progress, you've just got to have your numbers add up. And if you fail, you don't, you don't stop, you just take damage. So being success, get it, gets it done quicker and safer. But your, 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 your victory is inevitable. Because if you look for something for long enough, you're going to find it. Even if it, even if it involves you just systematically, systematically looking in every single place in the world. <laughs> well, assuming it exists, of course. But we know it exists. You hurriedly clear off the section of the floor immediately at your feet and discover a sizable iron plate bolted to the ancient wooden planks. Despite having taken some damage during the fire that raised the outhouse, the wood through which the plate's four bolts pass remains solid and is, hold, and is holding the piece of iron fast. After giving yourself enough space in which to work, you set about endeavouring to remove the iron plate. Using select pieces of equipment and useful bits of debris, you begin to pull and pry at the iron plate, attempting to tear it from the floor to which it has long been anchored. Picking a number. Bonus of 50. 20 from might, 20 from body, 10 from spirit. Alright, no success at all. So, I guess there's no chance of failing, just progressing slower. You pull and pry at the iron plate, straining as you attempt to whip it out of the floor. After several moments, you pause to regain your strength. Confident with considerable effort, you'll be able to tear three the piece of iron. Alright, ignoring your glowing fatigue, you continue to pull and pry at the iron plate, attempting to tear it from the floor from which it had been long anchored. Alright, picking again. 145. Pull and pry at the iron plate, straining as you attempt to whip it out of the floor. After several moments, you pause to regather your strength. Confident with additional effort, you'll succeed in tearing free the piece of iron. Alright, same check again. 99. Same check again. 115. Alright, same check again. 124. 
You pull and pry at the iron plate, straining as you attempt to whip it out of the floor. Suddenly, the sound of splintering wood greets your ears as a piece of iron begins to tear free. You stagger backwards and nearly topple over as the iron plate suddenly tears free from the wooden planks, its sturdy bolts rattling against the pitted surface. After steadying yourself, you set the plate aside and peer into the opening in the floor. It's so conspicuously covered. Resting at the bottom of the shadow place, beneath the opening, is a round, flat, grey stone. Yay! You pick up the stone and are elated to discover it bears a blue glyph, depicting three eyes over which is bent a bent arrow, the insignia of Cladenwook. The symbol adoring the stone briefly flares a brilliant shade of blue, but the glow rapidly fades. You've just found the first of Cladenwook's glyphs. Alright, let's have a look at it. View. Got an encumbrance of one. So we better get get all seven at once and hand them in. This rounded, flat grey stone bears a blue glyph that depicts the insignia of Cladenwalk, a trio of eyes over which arcs a bent arrow. When you acquire seven of these glyphs, you should either return them to Giffia at the Pradorian House or Cladenwalk at the Bubbling Cauldron. Alright, but they gotta get all seven first. Alright. Taking a few moments to safely tuck the stone in amongst your other belongings, you make your way out of the charred ruins of the outhouse. Wondering how it is you'll manage to locate the other six glimpses. My only hope is that something turns up right now. Oh, and it did. That's convenient. <laughs> Suddenly. You've just stepped away from the wounds of the bald hammer when someone taps you on your shoulder. Instinctively, you spin around and draw yourself into defensive stance, only to find yourself face to face with the wag-clad old woman. A face concealable what you can only deduce as a natural shadow. The next of the lot you seek is elsewhere, she croaks. Six more to find. That'll keep you quite busy. Seek the second in the city of Griffins. He isn't supposed to be there, but there it's reside. Unfortunately, I have no map to give you. Suddenly, a strange sensation washes over, blurring your vision and leaving your head swimming. Okay, city of Griffins, that's the capital. Slowly, your vision clears, but as the world around you comes back into focus and your thoughts settle, you're startled to find that the wag-clad old woman standing before you is now a young girl garbed in cloth finery. The lass, clearly sharing your bewilderment, blurts out something incoherent before turning and rushing off and disappearing around a bend in the lane. As you stand starting off in the direction in which the girl departed, The words of the old woman echo in your mind. Seek the second in the city of Griffins. I have no map to give you. Confident that the somewhat cryptic reference is to Talonus, you begin to contemplate an immediate journey to the Talusian capital. I'll take a boat there. And I can. 
You managed to like cast passage aboard a boat for Talonus that afternoon. The first mate tells you that passage to the capital city aboard his captain's vessel will cost you 35 gold. Admittedly, it, with the current travel system, there's really no reason to do that. Because you can travel anywhere pretty much instantly for free regularly, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because I, because Zook deserves a, deserves to have his feet rest after all that walking around he's been doing. You hand over thirty-five gold to the first mate, and he takes you aboard the vessel, where you introduce the captain and a few of his crew. Fair skies, good running water, comments the captain, as he moves about the deck, barking orders his scurrying crew. Should have a fine jaunt south to Talonus. The voyage to Talonus proves swift and uneventful, and you bid farewell to the captain and his crew as you disembark in the Tosian capital. So there I am. I've got to Talonus. Alright. No map to give me. Hmm. 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 the map. Maker. Hmm. Of course, you could visit every single place there, but I've already you've already seen the descriptions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Larkin the map maker. This is the shop of Arquin, a master map maker and part-time adventurer. The diminutive young woman, though skilled with a sword, has been finally honed under the tutelage of Thorfinn. Toffola spends most of her days here, making detailed maps for all manner of clients throughout Tysa and beyond. It's well known fact that Lurken boasts her income by, by selling information regarding the location of certain explorable places to which her main profession has made her privy. Can I purchase any information? Nope, I cannot. I can't converse with Arkin. Akron seems only too pleased to put aside her work and speak with you. She fetches two mugs of steaming paleo and proceeds to ask you all about your latest adventures. Listening intently, she nods at regular intervals and sometimes shakes her head in disbelief as she describes some of the more recent events in which you've taken played a part. Someday I'll have to someday I'll have time for that, she says turning her gaze to the open window that looks out onto the street. For now, I have to be content to make maps and supply folks like you with the location of explorable spots. But I can still dream of someday. Alright, I get... Well, nothing's turned up. Maybe I'll leave the shop. Oh, suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly's are nearly always good. For me, not for Zoop. Although this time they're good for Zoops too. As you're about to leave Aquin's shop, your eyes are suddenly drawn to a small display case set against the near wall. Peering into the case, you're suddenly startled to find it contains a, a flat, rounded grey stone bearing clad in Wilkscliffe. The blue stone symbol on the stone, the, si the insignia of clad in briefly flares. The case is locked. Inquire with Elquin about the stone. Oh, I guess I will. I guess I will. 
Akerin tells you that she recently acquired the Mark Stone from a peddler passing through the city. Such a strange piece, he said, and I thought it best to pl- provide a place for its display. Interested in it? Might be willing to part with it for the white blice. The eventual map maker reveals she'll sell you the stone for 500 gold. It's most certainly magical. Though I can't say I know anything else about it, she says. To be completely honest, I wish someone would buy it. There have already been a number of attempts to steal it. Yes. And I can make I, I can also make one of my attempts myself, but Well I Well I'm a hero, so I mean you don't you don't steal something unless it's, you know, to do something heroic with. And there's no other option. And there is another option right here. I could pay her 500 gold for the stone. Or I could leave, but that would just mean I have to come back later. And also, stealing would probably prove to be more difficult. There'll be checks and stuff. And also, also, I mean, she's probably three, three explorable locations. That'll help me out. Pay her 500 gold. There we are. Your clone unlocks the case and hands you the stone. There, don't go showing that off, she says. The amount of interest that little piece has garnered is somewhat incredible. Someone may try to knock you over the head and take it. Not me, of course. With the second second of Cladderwick's glyphs, now safely in possession, you bid Erquin farewell and leave her shop. Alright, anything? Alright, now, now I need a clue for the next place. And here it comes, suddenly. As you step back onto the street, a fat grey cat scurries in front, front of you, nearly tripping you up as you endeavour to avoid stepping on it. The feline whirls to face you, and you find your gaze transfixed by its glowing blue eyes. Soft voice slips into your force as you stare into the cat's dazzling eyes. Find what you're looking for near the ruins of Tarn, intones the whispering voice. That will make for three that have passed into your keeping. Beware that. Suddenly, a strange sensation washes over you, blurring your vision and leaving your head swimming. As your vision begins to clear, and your surroundings slowly come back into focus. You're surprised to discover the fat grey cat, those glowing grey eyes from your gaze, is now a wretched black rat. The silking vermin slowly silk darts into nearby alley, hugging the base of the wall as it streaks off into the shadows. But attempting to make sense of this strange episode, the whispered words that pass through your mind again Echo amidst your thoughts. Find what you're looking for near the ruins of Tarn. Still gathering your your bearings, you move off along the street. You set you set your sights on Tarn, wondering what way a mate waits you in the ruined city of sorceresses. Well, I know what normally awaits me in the ruined cities of Tor- sorceress. That is. Massive holograms that want to kill me, a giant spider, and th- and seventeen buildings filled with glowing monsters. 
And then there's the lower level filled with even more Halgrims, flaming traps, and uh, oh yeah, a, uh, a womb filled with shadow, which I don't go to anymore because I found what was in there. Yeah, that, that's what normally finds, but I assume there's something more now. Alright, but we're, we're pretty close to the hour mark. And that will probably take some time to do. So for now, I'm going to save and bid farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.